Tech Talk. Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. This is News Talk. Hello and welcome to Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Coming up over the next hour, we'll hear how tech can help tackle the cargo hijackings that are costing businesses billions every year. Club Force will explain how their platform solution takes the hassle out of the admin at your local club. Plus, Lizzie Beecham will join me to talk through the calibre of entries for this year's APNI Lions Den startup competition. As always, you can email the show techtalk at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Instagram at jesskellynt. But first... Last month, Gardaí confirmed they were investigating after a gang hijacked an articulated truck in Slane full of COVID tests while the driver was resting in a layby. According to the FBI, cargo theft is estimated to cost trucking companies and retailers between 15 and $30 billion a year. This all adds to the supply chain disruptions that have fueled inflation over the last while. Overhaul is an Irish-American company with bases in Dundalk and Austin, Texas, which looks to help mitigate the risks associated with cargo logistics. David Bro is the COO and co-founder and he joins me now. Uh, David, you're very welcome to the show. Can you just start by telling us a little bit about the company? Yeah, so Overhaul are um, a risk management platform for supply chain. So if you think about it, if you're the manufacturer of a, a high-value uh, commodity like a gaming console or a laptop or a, a smartphone, that's, that's a very valuable piece of equipment. And you want to keep eyes on that piece of equipment from, you know, end-to-end end within your supply chain. So that's all the way into the manufacturing, through the supply chain, across multiple modes of transportation, all the way to the to the shop is is what we do, and we put all of that um, information in one single place for the shipper, as we call them, which is the person who owns that that cargo, and then we apply, you know, a series of kind of business rules on top of that to basically make sure that that's uh, moving along safe and secure as per plan. And if something goes out of plan, we try and get it back into compliance and safe again. And we're doing that in real time across hundreds of thousands of shipments um, on a daily basis. I find the world of logistics really interesting because there are so many moving parts, literally and figuratively, some of which nobody can control. So that could be the weather, a war, an act of terror, the list goes on. But can you just outline some of the more common scenarios that occur? Because as I mentioned there, it does cost businesses money, but it also disrupts the entire supply chain, which leads to unhappy customers. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think supply chain just some people love it so much because of all that change and complexity. Because it's never no plan ever, you know, survives first contact, as they say in the military. So, you know, the, there's lots of logisticians who kind of plan how to get something from, let's say, Asia into the European market. There is a plan, but that never works out. There's either congestion at a port there's a lack of capacity within a particular mode of transport there's individual actors like a driver or whatever who, who change their mind and change the routing and um, that can then expose that shipment to risk um, in our business particularly we're thinking of criminals um, a lot of the time are after the kind of product that we're we're covering 
So if if a driver of a truck parks somewhere that they're not supposed to, that's not safe, and now you're exposing that to risk, and that is that's what the criminal is looking for, and they see that opportunity, and there's can be m- multiple millions of dollars uh, or euros in that in that shipment, so they're they're paying attention and looking for those opportunities. So, um, and that complexity really helps give them the opportunity. What way does the risk assessment work and is it based on the value of the commodity or the frequency of the trips and the routes taken and so on? Yeah, well, so there's, we we, we do a lot of uh, pulling in information around intelligence of where the risk occurs and the risk does move around. Um, it can be as simple as, you know, sometimes the weather can actually increase risk, which is kind of not immediately intuitive. So, but what happens if you think about a truck stop that has a lot of trucks, which are all made out of metal, if it's dark and it's raining, that creates a huge amount of noise, which means uh, the criminals can now actually break in um, using power tools and nobody would hear uh, and they won't see because it's dark. So that would be, we would have algorithms which would say, okay, now I have a shipment that's it's stopped, it's dark and it's, it's, it's raining. I'm on heightened alert. So if, there's a, if we sense something like light or movement within that shipment, we will now we will now detect that as a potential crime in action and we will we will respond to it immediately. So there's lots of different factors that can come in depending on the different scenarios, but what you're typically looking for is something that wasn't in the plan and we will have, if it's in the right particular location, that will be those two things together. I mean, we, we'll, we'll trigger an alert. What goes on behind the scenes? And, you know, does AI do a lot of the heavy lifting here in terms of predictions, assessments and recommendations? Yeah, so the great question. So the how it works, say, the last these last five years, you're you're trying to pull as much telemetry into your system as possible, right? So that's, you know, and supply chain is getting more and more data data enabled down to the package level or the truck or the trailer. Every driver has a phone, you know, every every ship and the rail car is is now getting connected so you've got all of that in transit information and you're pulling that into one place we're bringing it into a technology software platform there's just too much going on for any humans to really do it but so what we let this the machine do is sift through that and look for patterns that are problematic like that scenario i kind of explained where you know it's that's an event it's a stop or it's a deviation in route that we didn't wasn't part of the plan the system will then look for people to respond maybe it sends a text message to the driver are you okay is everything all right if it doesn't get a response that it likes it'll then kick that up and eventually at the tip of the pyramid is we we would have a 24 7 capability where a human would get involved look at that situation and investigate and try and figure out what's going on and do they need to escalate it yet further again to law enforcement? So that's how we've been doing it. And we're all the time using kind of the more traditional methods of, you know, automation to try and make that as scalable as possible. Mm-hmm. What the AI is, does and what particularly the new technologies do is it really just enhances that process hugely. Because at that top of the pyramid, as I described, that, that human who's kind of getting in there, now we've been able to build um, AI tools that are able to sift through all that complexity, that very unique situation, which is always unique. And now we have a tool, we call it Risk GPT, 
that the humans that can actually interact with and say, what should I do now? What's happening here? What's the next step? Rather than having that kind of investigative mode, which we had maybe prior times, we now have a tool that sits alongside the human. And again, we've seen tremendous results of, you know, better decision-making, less errors, faster decision-making, faster response times, which in our game is, is what it's all about. It's been making that, the next good decision to make that window of opportunity for the criminal, if it's in progress, small as possible, or if it's if it's a risk scenario, we're trying to just close that out and get it moving or get it away from that risk so nothing actually bad happens. So AI has really helped us on that front. And is it all focused on risk or you know, does your solution look to offer efficiencies in terms of getting whatever product it is from A to B in a faster method? Well, well, for for us, we're certain we're very much a risk. But you know, the, uh, what they say is kind of cargo at rest is at risk. So we are constantly trying to keep it moving because when it's moving, it's safe, and mm-hmm. when it's moving, that's efficiency. So a lot of our customers know that. Yeah, we're we're trying to manage risk, but when by managing risk, we're also managing the optimization of our supply chain as well. So they kind of come hand in hand. What's needed in terms of hardware? Is it, you know, old school GPS, but in a new fancy device? Or does connectivity have a large plate, a large part to play in all this as well? Yeah, so that's that's a huge area in and of itself, IoT. And, you know, we've been in this space for, for many years and, and seen a scenario where maybe 10, 15 years ago, maybe 10%, 15% of trucks would have had telematic systems, you know, uh, which give us signal. So now that's really right up there. It's probably 60, 70%. And every truck that's now rolling off the production line is fully enabled and fully connected. So that's tremendous, tremendously useful for us because now everything's kind of lit up. But in some, some scenarios um, and for some product types, we also use an IoT device, a tracking device that will be either embedded in the cargo or at the door or part of the seal. It all depends on different scenarios. And that's giving us signal that is helping us you know, run the program. So we, we tend to try and get as much data as possible because it's better to have more sources of data than one that could fail, obviously. We know that between Brexit, COVID, the war in Ukraine and so on, there's been a whole host of uncertainty in the world at large. Have you seen more businesses turning to services like yourselves to navigate the scenarios that could not only put their cargo at risk, but also their drivers too? You know, absolutely. And um, I mean, the whole, I think uh, COVID, you know, the world discovered supply chain when COVID happened and when things go wrong. And um, and I think every business kind of lost control and visibility to what was happening in the supply chain. And then there was the there was the people who were tremendous at it, like Amazon, who just kind of went from strength to strength because they just really had a good grip on their supply chain. So over the last five years, we've seen a huge amount of interest in supply chain, visibility, telemetry, you know, management, using technologies to really get to grips with something that will never be, it'll never not be complex and never be not ever changing, right? So technology is the way to get, get control of this situation. So most companies now have, you know, uh, a really, you know, forward-leaning supply chain digitization strategy, uh, whereas maybe 10, 15 years ago, that would have been just seen as like almost an afterthought. You really need to be on top of your supply chain so that the customer experience, like people like me and you, you know, we expect when we order a thing, 
um, we expect to know exactly nearly to the day, if not the hour, when that arrives and, and, and be on top of it. You know, so that's your experience that all the brand owners are now having to kind of have the supply chain such that it gives you that kind of experience. So it, it really has given us a, a tremendous boost in the last number of years. Yeah, and I suppose one thing that I sometimes think about it is, obviously it's great to have the technological solutions in place that can help mitigate risks. But there is an element in all of this that, you know, nobody can control, and that's the human element. So be that the drivers or the bad actors and so on. Does overhaul get involved in terms of the vetting of the drivers and when it comes to driver safety, or is it, just more geared towards the the planning of the route and so on. Yeah, well, it's, it's different markets have different uh, approaches. So the the vetting of drivers is definitely uh, part of our services in, in probably more higher risk areas like Mexico and Brazil. That will be part of the service, um, and you would have a, like a again a technology that scans the driver license of the drivers. They present themselves and make sure that they're not on a on a on a blacklist somewhere. It's not quite as as prevalent in Europe, um, partly due to risk levels, but also due to kind of you know data compliance and that kind of thing. Um, but it is something; it is it can be a risk. And what happens with in a lot of these other markets, the the criminal element never changes. So, mm. you know, sometimes we're trying to help the the good actor, the driver who might be exposing the truck to risk through just you know unwittingly, um. But there's also cases where the driver's complicit in the whole enterprise. But even so, what happens is um, the criminals are constantly looking at whatever industry does, they respond. And it's like an arms race, you know, because this is a very valuable business to them. You know, there's a lot of it's a it's relatively low risk, but high return, mm. uh, given the kind of money that can be in it. If you think about it, a, a 40 foot container full of um, gaming consoles, there's a lot of, a lot of value in that. And do we have scenarios where uh, cargo is still disappearing off the face of the earth? Like, does that still happen? Oh, yeah. No, there's, there's still successful um, um, cargo hijackings all the time in many different countries. Um, as I said, the, the, these guys are professional. Um, we've seen situations where, you know, we've got a pretty high recovery rate because of the kind of things we have in, but we would know within the industry, you know, um, where there could there will be mul- multiple millions of dollars in in a single hit, um, and that is not too uncommon. Uh, it doesn't happen every every month or week in places like Europe or the US, but in high risk markets, you're talking, you know, quite significant level of activity and frequency. You mentioned there that the criminal gangs are growing in sophistication as this technology is developing as well. Are we in a place now that, you know, the risks are going to continue to grow as sophistication of tools like yours grows? Or will we get to a stage where the majority of these instances can be caught, stopped or, you know, prevented entirely? Yeah, well, it, it, there's a thing we kind of call it, the phrase we use, which is like, it's kind of like a balloon squeeze. So when we harden and tighten the supply chain, which is our core mission, the demand for, for the product or the doesn't go away you know that generally pushes that that activity somewhere else mm. so it, it might be towards the warehouse or it might be towards the retail outlet itself uh, or it might be it might switch from we saw this in the pharmaceutical industry you got really really kind of aggressive as an industry around securing the supply chains maybe 10 years ago 
you know, they, they kind of back off that product type and then they move to some a different product. So it might be they go to high value electronics or into apparel or or alcohol or food even. And, and you know, it doesn't have to be high value. It just has to be highly liquid. They have to be able to turn that into cash. Uh, so it might be they might do be more active at lower cargo values um, in a different product line. Uh, but they still, they ultimately will hit their kind of hit their target, so to speak. So it, it typically when you harden one part, it moves to another. They, ch- they change up their methodologies and we're constantly trying to keep up. So that's why we're all the time adding different elements to what it is we're doing and how it, we, it is we're doing it to stay effective. Yeah, it is a fascinating area and I really do appreciate your time. Uh, David Bro of Overhaul, thanks so much for joining us here on News Talk. Great, Jess, thanks a million. Now, before we go any further, uh, if you follow me on Instagram, you may be aware that a number of years ago, we set out to try and collect GAA jerseys for a young girl named Roisin. Uh, Roisin was diagnosed with leukaemia, age three, and she's gone through various treatments over the years. Uh, But very sadly, her family found out recently that there were no more treatment options to try. Roisin's going to be 12 on May 31st. And rather than, I suppose, dwell or linger on her prognosis, uh, she has a request for you all. Take a listen to this. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Do you remember me? I'm Roisin. And you collected all the GAA jerseys for me. So I had an idea. Yeah, My birthday is coming up. And I will be 12. I would love to get some birthday cards, especially handmade cards. I love unicorns, rainbows, fairies, everything Disney, and funny jokes. Oh, you want to hear a joke? (laughs) What do you call a dinosaur fart? A blast from the past! (laughs) (laughs) so if you have the time can you make me some cards please bye (laughs) yeah that is Roisin and as she said she would love if you would send her a birthday card handmade ideally I know she's a big fan of unicorns uh, so if you can factor that in at all Uh, but she loves getting posts and it really will bring a smile to her little face so if that's something you would like to do please send it to me, Jess Kelly, Marconi House, Diggs Lane, Dublin 2. Pop it in the post as soon as you can and I'm going to make sure that every single one of them gets to her before her birthday on May 31st. So again, handmade card sent to me to Marconi House, Diggs Lane, Dublin 2. That would be amazing. And uh, yeah, fingers crossed we get as many as humanly possible to bring down to Roisin uh, for her 12th birthday. We'll be right back.